Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. All right, go for it. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live, and we have with us the man that needs no introduction whatsoever, the one and only Harley Schlanger. You can find him over at the schillerinstitute.org as well as larouchepack.com. A lot of things are going on, and with all those things out of the way, Harley, let's dig into this. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating, exciting situation, unless you're one of the G4 or G5, uh, whatever's left of that shambles. Uh, look, what, what's happened in the last week is what you and I have, have been talking about for probably the last two years, the emergence of a new paradigm, an Asian century, you might say, uh, and the collapse of the transatlantic region because of its, its inability to think its way out of a paper sack. And it was perfectly on display with the ridiculous response of the G7 to Trump, uh, the uh, fact that he had to leave because there was no basis for a discussion with them. Uh, he made a proposal that Russia be brought back, and immediately the Brits, the Canadians, the French, and the Germans said absolutely not. The new Italian government liked the idea, and Abe has been, the Japanese prime minister, has been conducting his own uh, rapprochement with Putin and Russia. So, you know, you could see that this wasn't going to go anywhere. And, and especially then the question of the tariffs, the question of uh, uh, the people not liking Trump's style and so on. So Trump did the right thing. He left early, prepared for the meeting in Singapore. And the meeting in Singapore with uh, Kim Jong-un was a spectacular success in spite of what people are reading in their, their newspapers. Uh, and watching on CNN and MSNBC. The issue there is that Trump went with full support and backing of the Chinese, the South Koreans, the Japanese, and the Russians. That all the, the four nations that surround North Korea and that have been a part of North Korea at one point or another in the last 50, 60 years are, are working with Trump. And what Trump uh, did was break the ice was open the door for something much bigger to come. Now, did North Korea take Trump over and immediately destroy their nuclear weapons and show them to them? That's not the point. The point is that there's a process underway that's not just North Korea, but at the same time the G8 was collapsing or the G7 was collapsing. There was a conference in Shandong province in China of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization which mapped out a strategic, economic, cultural, and philosophical conception about how you develop a nation, how you develop people, the importance of sovereignty, but also the importance of sovereign nations working together. So we're seeing this new paradigm come into existence. And what do we see in the US media? 
you know, nonsense about Trump this, Trump that, Trump didn't get everything he wanted. You get Chuck Schumer and Marco Rubio joining together to criticize Trump for meeting with a dictator. Well, how the hell else do you change things? War? Is that what they want? You know, it's so amazing, V, that Schumer, some months ago, was leading the charge attacking Trump for being too tough on North Korea and risking nuclear war. Now that we're talking with the North Koreans, what does Schumer say? You've got to demand immediately denuclearization or else you're being used. Uh, you're, you're being duped. Brennan actually was the one who said Trump is being duped by Kim Jong-un. So I think people who have been watching this train wreck of the Russia gate, the uh, attempt to isolate Trump, to bring him down, to convince the Trump loyalists that he's really just another operative for the Eastern establishment. If you actually are watching this with open eyes, you see an enormous potential for the future that's just opened up. Now, are we there yet? No, we've still got a very powerful enemy. They have to be defeated. They have to be vanquished. You know, they have to be crushed. Uh, but I think we're closer to opening the door to a new era. And I don't mean, you know, all this new world order stuff and all that. It's not that. It's a new potential for nations to work together for the best interest of each, each nation combined with mutual benefit for their partners. And that's what I think we saw this last weekend come into existence. Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, we have... Remarkable, absolutely remarkable with what's happening with North Korea. The fact that the uh, the Democrats have no response to it. All they can do is just be negative for the sake of being negative. The fact that hot on the heels of this whole entire North Korea uh, Trump meeting, we have the SCO that's about to that's about to uh, have their meeting as well, and the Shanghai Cooperative uh, uh, Organization is a far cry, a night and day difference from what we're used to with the with the typical. Anglo-Western power structure, Harley. Yeah. Remarkable, remarkable events. Human freedom is marching forward, and it's so exciting to see all of this. Well, and at the SCO conference, they, they made a couple of very interesting points. One is that it's not just about dollars and trade. It's not just about numbers of, of ships and troops and bombs, but there is something about the human mind and human creativity and I think it was uh, Modi of India who said, yeah. look, we represent 3.1 billion people and we have to represent them well. And in contrast, you had the prime minister of Italy pulling Trump aside and, and describing to him how he got the European Union bureaucrats to back down, uh, as opposed to Theresa May, who is still on a leash, or actually maybe she still has the EU bureaucrats on a leash. It's hard to tell which one is the dog and which one is the dog catcher uh, when it comes to May. But Trump didn't even meet with Theresa May. He left her standing and he said, she's sort of a nanny. There's no, nothing I can gain from talking to her. So he showed the proper disrespect for these European leaders. Now, V, I don't know if you've picked this up in the last 48 hours, but there's a, a further remarkable development in Europe around the Italian government, the Austrian government, Hungary, and others uh, on immigration. Now, the press is telling you that they're shutting their borders to not let immigrants in, and that's not a, a human response. That's not all they're doing. 
what they're actually talking about, and this is what the Italian government is taking the leadership in, is working with the Chinese to develop the countries where the refugees are coming from. They're saying to these refugees, look, don't risk your life dying of thirst crossing the Sahara Desert or risk drowning in the Mediterranean. We're going to start building cities for you, building railroads, building power plants, building water projects. This is what Gaddafi was doing when they decided to kill him. So the Italians are taking the leadership in this with the Chinese, and they're asking the rest of Europe to join them. And what's the rest of Europe saying? They're basically saying they're going to solve the refugee crisis by setting up concentration camps in Africa, you know, locking the refugees in uh, 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 basically concentration camps so they don't come over. So I think, again, we're seeing a potential for breaking up the EU. The French, Macron, attacked the Italians for their policy and the because the Italians turned away a boat two days ago. And yes. the French... What did the French say? Did the French say, we'll take them in here? No, nope. they said, send them back to Africa. So the Spanish <laughs> government said, well, we'll take them, but we need a, a policy for all of Europe that works. And then Conti, the Italian prime minister, said to Macron, look, why don't you just stop criticizing and let's work out a solution? So he's going to France tomorrow. I think he's going to find that Macron has a big mouth, but, but doesn't do much to back it up. But uh, again, this is... Oh, and then in Germany, Seehofer, who's a, the interior minister, I believe, who's from the sister party of Merkel, the, the CD, CSU, Christian Social Union, uh, is planning a meeting with courts of Austria and Conti of uh, uh, Italy to discuss the immigration problem because he said Merkel doesn't have a solution. So the German coalition government may break up. The, the, the EU is in terrible shape and Trump was absolutely right to say to them, look, you get your house in order before you start talking to me. Right, exactly, exactly correct. Harley, uh, tremendous movements also are happening in, in China with uh, the recent meeting between Putin and Xi. Would you like to comment on that? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the two of them basically said they're best friends. Putin got the, I think, the first ever uh, medal as an honorary friend of China. But what they discussed... There were two things that were on the agenda. One was how to work with the United States in the reconstruction of North Korea. And of course, this is all, you see this in the LA Times or the Washington Post? Of course not. Uh, they also were talking with Abe of Japan, uh, asking the Japanese to kick in to help this work. And that was what the video that Trump showed, uh, uh, Kim Jong-un, a video of what North Korea could be if they respond to the gesture from the United States. And what does the U.S. media do? It mocks it as science fiction. Now, did you see the video, V? No, I haven't got a chance to. It's, it's on the White House uh, uh, website. It mm -hmm. basically is high-speed rails, new buildings, new cities, wow. uh, children playing sports. It's, it's an exciting, optimistic view of the future, as opposed to nuclear missiles being launched. And apparently, Xi loved it, uh, uh, the Chinese president. Kim Jong-un loved it. And the South Korean people went crazy. You know, wow. The South Koreans were in the streets dancing on Tuesday after wow. the, the Trump 
uh, Kim meeting. The Even in the United States, the polls now show that 61% uh, are happy that Trump had this meeting. Now, in yeah. the U.S. Congress, it's probably about 10%. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the Congress doesn't represent the people at all. No, they don't. <laughs> and I, I think we saw a good indication of that with this uh, moron Sanders uh, from uh, uh, South Carolina. Is that his name? Sanford. Uh, uh, Sanford. Sanford, yes. Yeah. Sanford. Who, who uh, is anti-Trump and was defeated in a primary by a relative unknown uh, who was pro-Trump. So you know, when the issues are clear, people respond. I did a radio show yesterday in Los Angeles and the host was saying, oh, Trump didn't accomplish anything. You can't trust the North Koreans. And I said, look, maybe you can't, but what would you want, a nuclear war? And I said, here's the option, here's the opportunity. And eight, he took eight calls and every single caller was in supportive of what the president is doing. And this was on a liberal Los Angeles radio station. So, you know, th this is what, what Mrs. LaRouche was saying yesterday. It's a transformational moment where the ideas of sovereignty, of creativity, of physical economy, of acting for the interest of the other, which is actually the, the Christian tradition. This is the Confucian tradition. So why are people who claim to be Christians and, and, and Democrats and freedom-loving Americans, why are they against Trump on this? It's either because they're just evil bastards uh, or they're on the payroll of the Israelis, the British, uh, the banks, the city of London and Wall Street. That's the only explanation there is. Yep, exactly. Harley, um, what are some of the things that are, uh, that are happening right now? I mean, we talked about Italy last time. We had uh, um, uh, Marco Zani on. Uh, any yeah. other further developments that have happened in Italy and any yeah. other European countries, and especially in Austria, the, the, the talk of the Trump-Putin summit and Austria willing to host, these are monumental shifts, Harley, monumental. Yeah. Well, there were elections both in Austria and Italy, and the EU told the Austrian president not to allow Sebastian Kurz to become the chancellor. The Austrian president said the people voted and it's their choice. And so you have a coalition government in Austria, which is against the sanctions on Russia. They're Eurosceptics. They're saying that the banking policies of the EU are harming their industry, their businesses, their people. And the Austrians take over the presidency of the EU for the next six months. And they're going to make the Russia issue a very important one. Uh, on Italy, really significant development. The uh, they just named 10 vice ministers, and six of them are signers of our Glass-Steagall resolution. A couple of them have pushed Glass-Steagall in the Italian parliament. So we're seeing a grouping in Italy that supports, as, as Marco Zani reported to you last week, that supports the basic ideas of LaRouche's four laws of, of bank separation, national yeah. credit policy, infrastructure investment, and uh front-end technologies at the center of the uh, infrastructure. Uh, this is extraordinary. And this is why the EU bankers were so freaked out about Italy. Uh, I mentioned to you what they're talking about in terms of infrastructure. One of the people who's coming in to the, uh, uh, I think, vice minister of economics 
is uh, Professor Gerasi, who I met in Brussels not that long ago. Gerasi is a professor in China. He's an expert on Chinese economic development, and he just wrote a paper about 10 things Italy could learn from China, which he then has a footnote at the bottom saying, China learned all of these things from the United States. So you have people who are friendly to the real United States, not the globalists, not the neoliberals and the neocons, but the real Americans in the tradition of the founding fathers. They're the ones coming into power in Europe right now. Uh, so this is remarkable. In the United Kingdom, you have the political parties continuing to fall apart with rage bubbling up in the population. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, here's something really fascinating, V. The head of security of the Israeli government, mm-hmm. who's a Likud member, praised the Trump-Kim summit and said, maybe this is the way to go with Iran. Yes, absolutely. So wow. Instead of saying, let's bomb them into the Stone Age and risk getting bombed, that, that Israel gets bombed into the Stone Age, how about a real peace settlement? Yep. And you know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I'm working on an article now taking this line from people that how can you meet with Kim? He's a dictator. He's got political prisoners. He's done all these bad things. Well, yeah, of course he has. But maybe he's changing. And Yitzhak Rabin made the famous statement, how can you sit down and shake the hand of your enemy? And Rabin said, you make friends, make peace with your enemies. You don't have to make peace with your friends, but you make peace with people who at times have been unsavory, but recognize that it's in both of your interests to sit down together. That's something that that, uh, Schumer doesn't understand something that Pelosi doesn't understand, something that Marco Rubio doesn't understand, uh, or McCain or, or uh, McConnell. Uh, both parties are terrible in this. You know, um, it truly is the way forward. The more I, I, I think the world's waking up to the reality that the more you isolate despots, the more you isolate countries that you don't deem to be quote-unquote democracy or, or democratically uh, functioning, the worse they become. And sure. what people are starting to see is that, hey, you bring wealth and you bring prosperity and you bring free and equitable trade in uh, and fair equitable trade that's mutually beneficial. It has a transformative effect on leadership. It has a transformative effect upon the populations and they will run its course. It's the Singapore model, Harley. It is the Singapore model. It's worked. It's how you go from being a dictatorship to a parliamentary government with with very high uh, um, quality of life uh, and and incredible prosperity. It's a way forward. The best example for people who haven't forgotten their history is there was no worse regime on the planet than the Nazis during World War II. And yet, look what we did to rebuild Germany, to give them a future. Unfortunately, we left too many American troops and British troops there. We brainwashed too many of the German leaders that the only solution is for them to surrender their sovereignty to the European Union. But I think that's about to change. So you're absolutely right. This question of uh, what, what Mrs. LaRouche calls the new paradigm, the idea that instead of seeing the world as a zero-sum game where for me to make a buck, I have to take it from someone else's pocket, but actually thinking about 
how that other person and I can work together to create a lot more bucks. You know, this is the idea instead of austerity where you take a, a bigger piece of a shrinking pie and, and steal the food out of someone else's mouth. Why not figure out how to bake bigger pies? And the, the key to Hamiltonian economics, which is the American system, is that by emphasizing new skills, technology, innovation, you increase the productivity of each person employed in the workforce so that you can take on new debts in the form of credit, but produce more than you consume in paying off the debt. Whereas if your whole system is a debt-based system of funny money, where yes. there's nothing of value being produced except more debts, that the only way to extinguish those debts is to print more money, which means ultimately it's going to cost you more to pay off those debts. Right. So the Hamiltonian system has always been the best system. That's how the United States was built. Whenever we've prospered, we've had the Hamiltonian system. Now, right. unfortunately, the... Are there are people who are largely based in London and the original uh, or a, a split off from the Austrian school, which said that Hamilton was nothing but a big banker. Hamilton set up a national bank, but it was a national bank that was the majority stockholders were the people of the United States. It was the government. It was not private banks. And the purpose of the bank was to create credit for the people who were producers not to produce credit for the bankers to sell it and manipulate it and profit from it. So the Hamiltonian National Bank is different from the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, the uh, uh, European Central Bank, and so on. And what LaRouche has proposed is that to fund the infrastructure, go around the Federal Reserve, don't do anything to create new money from the Federal Reserve, do what right. John Kennedy was trying to do have the Treasury directly inject credit into the banking system that is directed into those projects that produce wealth, that create new jobs, uh, new plant and equipment, research and development, and so on. That's how you solve a problem. But if you're so focused on cutting the deficit today by cutting every aspect of spending, you end yes. up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yep, And that's why... Absolutely. That's why the debt keeps going up, even no matter how much austerity you have. Look at Greece, look at Italy, look at Spain. They've had austerity regimes where the debt keeps increasing because they have to borrow more money to pay their daily expenses. Instead of being able to create credit to build an economy to create more taxpayers who end up paying less taxes because the whole economy is booming. Yeah. So. Trump has some work to do to fully understand this. He, he's a supporter of the idea of the American system. I don't think he fully gets it yet, but I think he's moving in the right direction. And people who are doubting what he's doing, he's doing all this while Robert Mueller is still running wild with the complete support <laughs> of the Democrats, the media, and a whole lot of the Republicans like Trey Gowdy who stuck all three of his feet down his throat by saying that that he agrees with the with Rosenstein and the Democrats that there was no spying on the Trump campaign. Jesus. <laughs> wow. I don't even know why Trey would even say such a thing. Well, some people think that, that, uh, that he's saying that the people who are charitable to him, like uh, Nunes said, well, he just 
naturally tends to support the FBI. I think after this new Inspector General report comes out, it's going to be hard for anyone to support Comey and, and McCabe and Peter Strzok and this, this gang of uh, corrupt political operatives, partisan operatives, uh, who were the ones who really rigged the election or tried to rig the election under the direction of Brennan, Clapper, and British intelligence. Yeah. Well, Harley, what else is on your radar? Well, let's see. There's uh, the other thing that I, I think is just worth noting. Uh, to go back to these comments from this Israeli guy, maybe we could do something with Iran similar to what was done with North Korea. Uh, we got to do something about the situation in Yemen because the Saudis and the UAE are about to shut down the only port that, that is letting food come into the people of Yemen. 60% of the population in Yemen is right now listed as food insecure. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. There are millions of people facing starvation. The Saudis just bombed a Doctors Without Borders hospital that was devoted to cholera treatment. Cholera has killed thousands of people in Yemen because there's no clean water. Correct. And they're trying to deal with it at this hospital that was just destroyed by the Saudis. So well, that's because uh, the Saudis said that that, that hospital is manufacturing uh, missiles. Though they were shooting yeah. into the yeah. <laughs> Well, it was saving starving children who will pick up a gun against the Saudis. Yep. yep. So, and... Look, I, I bring up the Saudis in, in the following sense. I, I think the, the president has a very big blind spot when it comes to Israel and the Saudis. And I think part of that is his antipathy to Obama and the fact that he didn't like the Obama deal with Iran. Now, putting that aside, because I think he got the Iran thing a little bit wrong, uh, but there were some things that had to be fixed. If he really wants to fix it, He's going to have to tell the Saudis and the, and the uh, Israelis that we're not going to give them a free hand in the region anymore. If they want to participate in economic development, fine. But if they want to support terrorists, as both Israel and Saudi Arabia do, including yeah. terrorists who have attacked our country, who have attacked our allies, then we're going to work with the Russians to crush them. Yeah. And if Trump were to say that, and then go with American system economic policy, starting with Glass-Steagall, then he would be completely unbeatable in 2020. Why? Because he's so great? No, because he's doing good things for the country. You know, we haven't had a president who really put the country ahead of his political ambitions, uh, probably since Reagan. So Trump has a chance to, to change the political culture completely. And, and I, just to come back to back to Singapore again, V, because it's so important. Yeah. The way he treated Kim Jong-un, you know, he didn't go in and say, I'm not going to shake your hand because you've got blood on it. He went in and said, look, let's take up a challenge. Let's not be captors, captive by our past experience. Let's not let the past control us. Let's look for a new adventure, a, a new chapter in our history. And Kim responded by saying, we need to address the problem of animosity between our two peoples so that we can overcome that and work together. If that can happen between the U.S. and North Korea, when Trump was, was deriding him as little rocket man, and yeah. he was called Trump a, a retarded dotard or a, a senile dotard, you know, if mm -hmm. you can overcome 
And look, those are just names. Tossing names at people is a lot better than tossing missiles. But the fact that they resolved that and are looking to the future. And I, I think the other point Trump made at his press conference when all the, the Western media were just baiting him and attacking him, and he handled it very well. In contrast to the Korean and Japanese media who started by saying, congratulations, Mr. President. Did you see that? The, no. they, they, they started their questions by congratulating him. But Trump no, said something interesting. He said, wow. Seoul, South Korea has 25 million people. And it's within artillery range of the largest North. artillery operation outside of China in Asia. Right. right. And he said, if we didn't do this, we're not talking about thousands of casualties. We're talking about tens of millions of casualties. And he said, no country could live with that. And I think that gives you a different sense of Donald Trump than you get from the, the lies in the media and the slanders in the media. You know, is he the greatest person in the world? Probably not. But is he acting to make Americans safer and to create a better future? in spite of the fact that he's being uh, demonized by uh, most of the pol elected political officials in the country, at least in the U.S. Congress, yes, yeah. he is working for us. And it's not, we shouldn't, shouldn't just jump up and down yelling Trump, Trump, Trump. We should go out and fight the war against these immoral creatures who prefer swindles and war to peace and prosperity. Correct. Exactly correct. Exactly correct. Very well said. Harley, thank you so much for being on. Uh, and uh, folks, again, you can check out Harley on his website, theshillerinstitute.org, uh, as well as larouchepack.com, larouchepack.com. And folks, again, subscribe, like, comment, and share. It is vital. It is absolutely vital that in this critical juncture that we all push through and really begin to work to turn our country around. And what Harley has saying He's an absolute voice of clarity for this time, and uh, we are very, very lucky to have him. So once again, Harley, thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's a pleasure as always, sir. Well, my pleasure to talk to you, V, and uh, I'll be back next week. Absolutely. And with that being said, we're over and out. Take it away, CJ.